Thanks again for the opportunity to, to be with you guys and again to, to celebrate. Hopefully you'll pick up a book. Uh, this is a book that uh, we, we look through a lot of different books, and this is just probably we feel like it would be the greatest contribution for all of us at Westgate and just what it means to be a healthy uh, church member. Uh, not only is it the 25th, but probably more significant, we need to be mindful that today is the 20th anniversary for the cardboard cutout. <laughs> that cardboard cutout of me, that thing has been to more church activities than I have, and uh, it was presented to me on the, tw- on the fifth anniversary uh, 20 years ago. So be sure and celebrate with a cardboard cutout. I've got a lot of notes. I'm going to try to go through as expeditiously as possible. Uh, if you get bored, you feel free to just go ahead and slip out. There's a meal back in the gym, and just go ahead and go ahead and get started. 9,163 days ago, 9,163 days ago, that was a culmination of a very eventful journey for Westgate and the McHenry family. The church voted to call me as pastor, and we all know how that vote went down. Everyone knew that if they wanted Michelle, they had to vote for me, so they did. So it's been for 25 years. Your love for her has allowed me to tag along. It was truly an eventful journey. In July of 1997, Dr. Steve Lemke, who was my doctoral supervisor, called me while I was pastoring over in Houston and asked if he could submit my resume to this church that he was the interim pastor along with Dr. Bill Toller. That call couldn't have come at a worse time in our lives. We were about to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the only church that I had pastored, and we had visions that we would pastor that church until we retired. Plus, we lived just 20 minutes from Michelle's parents, and that was ideal. Humorously, though, the pulpit committee didn't contact us, so we figured it must be God's will. But over the weekend of October the 4th, 1997, I went with 10 other men from our church to Washington, D.C. to join over a million other men at the Promise Keepers Stand in the Gap prayer event for that day. It was a life-changing event for all of us and a time of bonding the men of our church together. The week after that, I returned, and Rob McConnell called and explained that Westgate had interest in talking to me. So for the next couple of months, we talked over the phone, we drove over to Beaumont, we paid visits, and then the search committee came in groups three different times to hear me preach at the Gulf Meadows Baptist Church over in Houston, where we were pastoring. Ultimately, they invited me to come in what is called in Baptist circles in view of a call. It's kind of like a trial message, and then people will vote to see if you're to be the guy. I will say it was a very confusing time for us because we were extremely happy where we were. Yet Westgate sounded like a wonderful church. We didn't have a clear sense of whether we should go or stay. Some of you know what that's like when you're not really clear. So on Saturday, January the 10th, 1998, 9,164 days ago, I stood with Rob McConnell out in the West parking lot after an afternoon of meeting people from the church out in the church atrium. 
The sun had gone down and the moon was rising over the senior adult building as we looked back to the east. It was a beautiful setting, just two days shy of a full moon. As we were talking together and after I had met the people and Judy Fainel had already said, do you really think you can do this job? Thank you, Judy. <laughs> but you'll remember my reply was, I don't know. None of us knew. And so I asked Rob, I said, do you really think I'm the person for this job? I was that unsure, and I'm sure that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable knowing that you voted the next day. <laughs> but he replied to me, he said, I am so sure that if this doesn't work out, I'm going to resign from the committee. It helped, but I still wasn't convinced. The next day, 9,163 days ago, I preached on Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, calling it the bedrock of a healthy church. I wanted to read to you just what I said at the very end of this, because interesting enough, it was founded on the scripture that is engraved on the, on the cornerstone of this first building on our campus. I conclu concluded with these remarks, the bedrock upon which a healthy church must be built is a revealed truth of what scripture says about Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly teaches that God has declared Jesus Christ to be his son and the only savior of the world. When a church lives and operates with a firm conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, then it will experience the blessing, power, and presence of Almighty God. Now there's an interesting picture out there that my father-in-law drew of Michelle and I to encapsulate our ministry together because it's been a team sport. She's played the piano and I have preached, and so he drew a picture of both of us in a heart with a pulpit and a piano. Gulf Meadows, the church that we were at before, and Westgate, where we will stay until the end, unless you fire us. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I wasn't completely convinced, but that morning I knew that because I wasn't adequate for the job that I couldn't promise you anything as a church but one promise. The people that were here 25 years ago will remember what that one singular promise was. I will disappoint you. And you can, it's interesting enough because I, the, a copy of the notes are out there underneath that picture as with this other note, and I circled that to make sure that I got it right. I know that I have disappointed you by what I say, what I don't say, what I've done, what I haven't done. I have fulfilled that promise many times over throughout the years. That afternoon, after preaching in here, in view of a call, we still had one more service to go, and that was the Sunday night service. I sat in the empty pastor's office because after Bob left, all of his furniture went with him. The only thing that was left was a chair, and a little stand that held the phone that was screwed into the wall. The church had already heard me preach, so I hadn't prepared a second sermon for Sunday night. And I was sitting in that empty office all by myself, sitting in that chair, hearing my breath echo off the walls, and I was trying to figure out how to not get fired before I was even hired. So I decided the best thing that I could share with the church was to tell them about the journey, because that's exactly what I did at our 
other church over in Houston. See, when that last wave of the search committee came to our church over in Houston, one of our deacons noticed. And right before going into the evening service that night, he asked me if that was a search committee that was here this morning. So many times these are done very covertly. You're not supposed to know, and everything is done quietly, and then all of a sudden you find out that somebody's leaving. I had to decide in a moment, would I lie, or would I talk about what was going on? God has blessed me with this kind of weird sense of trying to be transparent, and being open, and let the chips fall where they may. And so that night, I stood up to the church and I said, that was a search committee. And I began to share with them the journey that we've had, much of what you've heard thus far and much more. I told them where we were and I said, we love you guys. We don't know what God's doing. Would you join us in this journey to pray for us to see if this is where we need to go or if God would allow us to stay here? And so they did. They walked the journey with us. So when we came here 9,163 days ago to preach in view of a call, they were back in Houston praying for us to have discernment about what to do. Well, that night, that afternoon, I jotted down some notes trying to figure out what to say, and you can see a copy. This is a card that it was on. It's out there as well. And I just had three lines. This is what I said on Sunday night while I shared the story. God's solutions are often strange and simple, so be open. God's provisions are usually sudden and surprising, so be ready. God's selections are sovereign and sure, so trust him. And somehow, after all of that, I said to the committee, because I'm not so sure, I need a 95% affirmative vote for me to come. Rob was fine with that, but Jimmy Thomas wasn't sure I could pull that kind of vote. And so he kept asking, you really need 95%? Well, the vote was right around 247 to 3. We, we couldn't get the exact. I, I remember the negatives, but I, we couldn't remember exactly. We didn't have it recorded, but it was right around 247 to 3, which was kind of funny because it was very similar. Gulf Meadows is a very similar score. When we went there, there was a very small church, and the vote was 47 to 3. And both times I wondered about the three votes against me. In fact, I wondered about them from time to time throughout the years. I'm wondering if you're sitting here right now and you want to come clean. <laughs> but you know, it finally hit me. I shouldn't be wondering why three people didn't want me. I should be amazed that 247 people did. And I still am. And I wondered if someone would make that amen. But, uh, aren't you supposed to be watching your son-in-law preach? So thank you for letting me be your pastor for 25 years. You make me so much better than I am, and I'm grateful for your place in my life. I have a whole message prepared from Psalm 90 
And I think instead of that, I just want to share one portion of it, because otherwise we might be here until dinner. And it wasn't my fault 25 years ago when we came, they didn't have the Super Bowl in February. It was still in January. But you know, as I think back over the years, and to know that this is our anniversary, some of you have been here, some of you have not. Some of you have been here a couple of years, some of you have been 20 years, some of you have been much longer than that. But I want you, to, as I re re rehearse some of the things that have happened, and, I, and it's, so, it's so imperative to know that so many good things happened long before we were ever here. I walk by those guys every day over here, the, the picture of the four guys that preceded me over in the hallway. I, I, I think about um, Gail Hogue and the ministry he had of bringing two churches together. He was the first pastor, and he knew that he would be a transitional pastor because how do you bring two churches together and you stay? And I think about Ray Blundell, who came off the mission field to pastor this church, and then he left this church to go to the mission field. Otherwise, he probably would, could have still been the pastor. He could have been here for 40 years. I think about Ray Morgan, Ken Elsie's father-in-law, Lane Elsie's grandfather, grandfather he never got to meet. Pastored here, was known as unbelievable pastor for 10 years, and died of a heart attack. And then Bob Bateman came, it was 13 and a half years. And did such a phenomenal job. And my philosophy through the years is just don't mess up what they've done. Do not mess up what these men have done. So many great things have happened. And so I'm just glad to be a part of the journey. So as I talk about these things, I don't want you to hear me say, this is because of me. It's not. It's what God allowed us to do. I think so many times about Moses, the book of Numbers, standing at the waters of Meribah. God instructs him to speak to the rock. He strikes the rock, and he takes credit for what's about to happen. Never want to do that. So let's listen. 1998, Westgate became debt-free for the very first time. Some of you are old enough to remember Art Arterberry, whose wife had passed away, who was a pianist for so many years, and he stood here as we came through, and we burned the note, Everybody had a little piece right here in the front, and we burned a note and set off the smoke alarms, if you were here, remember that. And uh, we were debt-free for the first time in the history of the church. The year 2000 with Y2K, the time capsule that you guys saw, the opportunity for us to be a, a part of that. Uh, we built a, a children's building during that time with all the, the fear of going on, and, and, and we paid for it up front before we even turned the key. And then we began to redo the gym. 2001, we had 9-11, and John 16:33 became a part of what we did at the church we sang about. And I, we were trying to figure out what we were gonna do on that Tuesday evening for a prayer time. And the song came back to me from my youth, and, and, and we couldn't find music anywhere long before the internet was prevalent. And, and so I, I went into my office, and I sang the song. I have a horrible voice, and I sang the song onto a cassette and handed it to Sean Paul, and he orchestrated it and arranged it so we could sing it that night. And then the Baptist Standard wrote up about that, that process, and you can see that out on the table of how so many people were able to use that song again. Uh, Lynn Brown's friend, the lady she knew in Baylor, was the one who wrote that song. Um, then we had 2005, Rita, 
I remember standing in the parking lot and a lady was saying that she had been here for 80 years in Beaumont and she'd never seen anything like it. The Sunday before that, we had made a decision as a church that we would give the, all of the offerings that came in to the church, we would give those to the people that were suffering from Katrina over there in Louisiana. And by the end of the week, Rita had hit us. So we gave away all of our offerings for one Sunday. We weren't able to meet for the next two Sundays. The third Sunday we were able to meet, there were 20 of us here. So for four Sundays, we didn't have any offerings coming in. There weren't any online payments back then, but we finished the year in the black and made the budget. And our church, the gym that we had built, served as a volunteer hub for ministering to people in the area. 2000 Ike, 2008 was Ike, and our sanctuary had to be renovated. I remember us telling our family, I remember three years after reading all the hardship of all of that and trying to figure out how to lead through that, then 2008, we were up in Waco, and, and we were in the Super 8 motel. We had evacuated. We've got our dog in the, the reason we're in the Super 8 is because the only place to take a dog. We've got our dog in there with the kids, and, and my dad is getting ready to have heart surgery in San Antonio. We go to pump up, fill up our car with gas, and it's over $4 a gallon. And I just went in when I heard that the sanctuary roof had come off, and there was water in the sanctuary. I just leaned against the sink and began to cry. Again? This will make two hurricanes, God. Little did I know. <laughs> then we had the Great Recession of 2008. In 2010, we had the 40th anniversary that was postponed because of the renovations that we're still working on for Mike in the sanctuary. In 2011, we had Vision 640, which is a takeoff of Ephesians 320. And we placed a Bible throughout the help. We rallied the churches together, not only in this area, but even in another, in the Metroplex. And 50,000 homes received Bibles that we initiated from Westgate. In 2013, uh, we had the opportunity of celebrating our daughter and son-in-law being married on this very altar. 2014, we had Beyond Our Walls, we introduced this crazy idea to, to give away a half million dollars to help build a mission compound in South Sudan evangelistic alcohol rehab centers in Russia to pay off the debt of the Hope Center, to fund cross-media evangelism over in the Middle East and to strengthen ministries in the inner city. And to date, we've given almost $2 million. 2017, Harvey came, and we cared for 50 families in our church that were impacted by the flood. You guys did such a wonderful job. Over a half million dollars invested in helping people get back on their feet. And that year, by the way, we also helped the Astros win the first World Series. 2019, we had 2020, in which we prayed for people to have the vision to see clearly, to see God clearly by, by the time that 2020 arrived. And we mailed out the gospel presentation to 375,000 homes in the Golden Triangle. And we built a website to help people take next steps in the relationship with the Lord. 2019 was also our 50th anniversary we got to celebrate that together, what God has been doing in this place for 50 years. Throughout the first 50 years, nearly 800 people were baptized and nearly $9 million given to mission work throughout the world. You recall that also as a part of our 50th anniversary celebration, we took up 50, we, we had an offering of $50,000 to help struggling churches in our area. We also went over to the old Memorial Baptist Church and we met together with the Greater Zion Missionary Baptist Church, something that we have done many times with other churches throughout the years. 2020, we entered a global pandemic that altered everything about church life. 
yet we grew through the process and we truly learned what it means that he will hold us fast. 2022, finally renovated the sanctuary lights, sound and seating after five years of delays due to hurricanes and the pandemic. Throughout this time, we've sent mission groups throughout the U.S., including the far reaches of Alaska. We've sent teams around the world from China to South Sudan, Mexico to Africa, India to Haiti, and multiple experiences in Russia. We've got ministries of women of Westgate, man-to-man prison ministry through Heart for, Men- for Inmates, Bill Glass, Franklin House, Bridges of Hope, Christian Wim, Women and Men's Job Corps, most recently, Grief Share that Jeff and Renee have established. Bibles to every woman who has a baby over at Baptist Hospital as they get a little Bible with the child's footprints on that. And thank you to, to Greg Schwartz in initiating that over at Baptist. And in the process, we've celebrated a lot of birthdays, haven't we? We've opened our campus to so many different organizations that the lights seldom go out at Westgate. We've buried family and friends and we've stood by each other in sadness and celebration. And we have demonstrated what it is to do life together. And we as a church have learned it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to stand strong wherever you are, your stage of life. It feels weird to recognize that here we are in 19, I mean 2023 and in 19... 1984, I was in clinical pastoral education in San Antonio, Texas, trying to prepare myself better as a minister. I was going into my last year as seminary at Southwestern Seminary. And a supervisor who was a brilliant man that had counseled people all across the world, he was a part of establishing tremendous ministries, the chaplaincy of the army, very renowned, well-known counselor, supervisor, He told me in private, you will never make it as a pastor. And so therein therein began a journey of trying to figure out what I'd do instead. Because at 17, I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. But all of a sudden, my world looked different. And I tried. I spent my last year at seminary doing field training out at the Carswell Army uh, Air Force Base, trying to figure out if I could be a chaplain. Then I did a year of training over at Baptist Hospital as a hospital chaplain, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And in Psalm 90, it says, teach us to number our days. And it's a reminder that too often times we assess our days by a day. And we, want, we let one day dictate all of our days instead of seeing the big picture of the days that God has before us. And so thankfully, you didn't know that story when you hired me. And we've had the privilege of being together all these years. I'll close with this very brief story. It was a couple of weeks ago when our kids were moving back to Fort Worth, we were upstairs watching television with our granddaughters, Beauty and the Beast. You know, there's kind of scary parts in there when you're a kid. 
And I was holding the Apple remote, which is not very easy to fast forward, but they kept on saying, Pappy, fast forward, Pappy, fast forward. And I would fast forward, and then I hit another spot. It's kind of scary. And Pappy, fast forward, and they'd cover their eyes. And, you know, it's like, we're not going to see much of the show if we keep doing this. And then they said, would you just fast forward and, you know, to the end? And I get to the end, and that's where everybody lives happily ever after. And I thought, you know what? So many times we're paralyzed by the present. And if we would just fast forward our minds, for those of us who have completely surrendered our life to Christ, if we would just fast forward our minds to the happily ever after, the days that will continue throughout eternity with Christ, it will give us far more hope, far more, far more promise than we can imagine. Before I share the gospel, can I say what I've tried to say many times and sometimes I forget at the end of a message? Love y'all. Thanks for listening. For a lot of years. And if you're not fully surrendered to Christ yet, let me remind you that God loves you. And he has created you to have a loving relationship with him. But because of our sin, all of us in rebellion, because of our sin against God, that's not possible except through Christ. Thankfully, Christ can make us right with God. We can be changed for all of eternity by humbly repenting of our sins and completely surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to join me in a prayer that initiates relationship with Christ. And we'll pray together, and then in a moment, to conclude our time together, another song that we chose, and these are just songs that are chosen through the years with meaning for us, but there's so many others that we could pick, but we're going to stand and answer the question to that wonderful song, Is He Worthy? Because He is. Because that's what, that's what churches are about, is identifying that Christ is truly worthy, not only of worshiping, but sharing with other people. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for all that you have blessed us with in our lives, blessings beyond our comprehension. And sometimes in moments like this, we can be reminded of how great you are. Lord, I pray for those in this room and those listening online that have never surrendered their life to you. I pray that this would be the day that they would voice a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, as we stand here today in celebration of the opportunity that we have had as a church to be together these 25 years, we're reminded of other churches in our area that do not have a pastor, we're reminded of West End and Woodland and Calvary and Rosedale and Amelia. And we pray that these sister churches so close to us would be blessed with a pastor that would lead them and love them. And God, that together they would do great things together. God, we thank you for the churches that you allow us to partner with. We pray that your favor would be upon them as well. You are good, and you are certainly worthy 
of all our praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to receive Christ or you want more information about that, uh, go to the cardboard cutout at the Connection Center afterwards, and he will help you. Now, there'll be somebody live to help you there. I'll be standing at the cross over here if you want somebody to pray with you, and our deacons for the month will be standing in the back of the aisles. But let's just use this time to worship God. You have been so gracious to honor Michelle and I. Thank you. We're blessed beyond measure. But may we always realize, just as the words that are buried underneath this platform right here, it's about Christ. And may all who stand in this spot remember it is about God. So let's stand together and praise the fact that Jesus Christ is truly worthy.
you. Have a great rest of the week. Go to lunch. Let's have some food. Hey, if everybody will just hang tight. <laughs> Raymond and Michelle, we want to go ahead and get you guys to uh, make your way uh, to the back. Where'd Raymond go? Y'all sit down so I can see Raymond. Just kidding. <laughs> Actually, if you hadn't realized, the cardboard cutout is actually taller than Raymond is. And, uh, and so, sorry about that, Lauren. All right, they have made their way uh, to the back. I hope that you're planning on staying for lunch. Thank you so much for being here. We can begin making our way to the gym.